Welcome to another episode of the Kramer Bros Podcast. Taylor, I am excited about this one for a couple reasons. One, we're talking about, we're going back, back in the day, talking about how really important basketball is to our family, was and is to our family, sharing some really good memories. And also, more than 10 people listened to our last podcast, like way more than 10. Uh, that was pretty cool. That was cool to hear that like 10 was my, um, my guess of how many people were going to listen. And the downside is I only heard back from two people. Mm -hmm. One was like, dude, I love the podcast. And then the other person said, um, I didn't know you're a Michigan state fan. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the only feedback I got. So I'm hoping that we can get some more, uh, personal feedback. Yeah, I got, uh, let's see, I, I promoted it on social media, but then I also texted it to a couple of people that I knew would actually really appreciate it that maybe wouldn't see it on Instagram or Facebook and, um, got great, great feedback. I think I had the same, same amount, maybe two people that said they really enjoyed it, thought our, our understanding and level of knowledge was, was fascinating. So, um, yeah, let's do another one, man. Let's give so, people the context for why we like hoops so much. Exactly. Exactly right. Going back to the beginning, talking about how, how um, much a part of basketball was to our everyday life growing up. <clears throat> and being the oldest, I take it all the way back to our dad. And uh, our, our dad, Todd, was a big-time hooper, played in the thumb area for our locals listening, Akron Fairgrove High School, and he is one of the only players to ever lead the thumb in scoring back-to-back -back seasons. Still one of the only people to do that. So he's in with, like, um, Jordan Bitzer. He's in with, um, I think, Matt LePage, who are both, who are both uh, two great college players. Um, trying to think of some of the other ones. Maybe a Brad Schaub also played college basketball. He's on a, a list of players to lead the thumb area in scoring back-to-back -back seasons. He might be the only one who didn't play college basketball out of that list, which shows you how good he was. And um, dad actually could have played college basketball. He thought about going to play at Olivet, actually. So um, he had mad game. And then for me growing up with my mom and dad, with our mom and dad having me so early, my dad was playing like really competitive basketball for a really long time. And so they dragged me around. So I was watching him play in Gus Macker three on threes and like Saginaw and Sault Ste. Marie. I was watching him play in like the Bay city men's league, um, playing guys with like, he's playing with like Mark Gainforth and the Zimmer brothers and, um, like Cook and a bunch of like thumb area legends, primarily from USA. And uh, they would play in like the Bay City Men's League against guys from Bay City, from Saginaw, from all over the place. And they won it every, almost every year. And mm -hmm. I still remember my dad's trophy sitting around the house that would say like Men's League champion. And uh, like there were some really good players that he was playing with, that he was playing against. And they were like kicking butt of like some really good, like inner city uh, basketball teams. And so it was cool to like, know your dad watching him. He was like one of the best players out there. He's like one of the leading scorers. And so when I was watching him play, I was like, Oh man, 
I want to be like him. And uh, so he was a big basketball guy. Obviously, he's been coaching for like 20-some years at the junior high or high school level. So it's kind of natural that we were going to play. Right. Yeah, man. I, um, you know, I was five years after you, so I had the benefit of, you know, watching dad as well at some of those open gyms and things like that. Um, and then also seeing you, that's when, you know, by the time I came around, I think you were firmly in love with the game of basketball. And so that was all I knew is, is that you and basketball went hand in hand. But man, it's so fun even today running into some of the uh, old timers in the thumb and they're just talking about dad just giving dudes the work, you know, back in the, the early to mid 80s in high school and then um, in those men's leagues later. I mean, 5'10", a feathery jump shot, gets real great elevation on it. I mean, there's some pictures of him in high school where he's, he's off the ground, man. And um, pre three-point line, or did he have one his senior year? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I think uh, they instituted the high school three point line the year after he left. I want to say so. He that's one thing that he always says is like, you know, all the points that he scored, he would have scored even more. He's like, I would, would have had another three or four points a game if they'd had the three point line. And and he's probably not lying. He's he's not blowing smoke. I think that he was no. shooting deep jumpers. Yeah, and his his game was like based on the jump shot. So he was he was shooting from from distance. So. It's not like he was a slasher getting all his points at the rim. He definitely would have had more points because of three points. So uh, outside of just watching dad hoop when you were younger, is there like a specific basketball memory of when it was in your hands that shifted things for you? Um, I remember like I wanted to be like my dad playing. So that was definitely, you know, some people look up to players in the NBA, which I also did. But for the most part, it was dad just because I got to see him play so much and I got to like go to the open gyms, go to his basketball tournaments. It was right in front of my own eyes. It wasn't like, okay, he's a coach. He knows a lot about the game, but I never seen him play or um, he can't like get out and demonstrate something. He could do all that. Like he could be in the backyard and we could work on a move together. I could see him playing and see what worked for him. And so he was like that, that person that I tried to model my game after. And then being able to, um, you know, VHS, which is, you know, it shows how old I am. My dad had VHS tapes of the Bad Boy Pistons with like Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman, all those guys. And so I watched a ton of VHS. And Isaiah Thomas was my favorite player, which is why I was number 11 in high school and uh, trying to, you know, want to, to dribble around like Isaiah Thomas, which was a big reason why I worked on my mm-hmm. ball handling so much because I could see how well he could handle the basketball. So, like, between my dad seeing him play and, like, being able to play with him and then, you know, we had three channels. We didn't have, like, a ton of access. And the NBA back then, it wasn't like it was on all the time anyway. Right. Um during basketball season, you get like the Sunday showcase where maybe it was like Shaq against Hakeem Olajuwon um, might be like the Sunday showcase game back in the the nineties. Um, you could talk about Jordan a little bit as well, but it wasn't like they were on every single day with how popular ESPN and NBA is now. So VHS and watching him, man, how about you? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even think about the VHS tapes, but I do remember that too. I think, 
somebody had taped the 2001 All-Star game, which is when AI won the won the MVP and he he uh pretty much carried the Sixers to the finals that year. But that was when a lot of stuff clicked for me is I mean Allen Iverson was my favorite player in my younger years and um watching that all-star game it was like him it would have been Marbury Vince Carter Kobe uh I don't know if T-Mac if he was making all-star games then or not and um actually Allen Houston and I remember there was this clip of Allen Houston he might have actually missed the shot but he did it was the first time I'd ever seen somebody do an in and out dribble but where they they put it between their between their legs so he put it between his front when his front foot was extended and then use that as a step back into a three. And I thought that, I don't know, for some reason, I thought that was so sweet. And he didn't create a ton of separation or anything with it. But at the time, I was just like, wow, I haven't seen that. So I was out practicing that afterwards. I remember we had that VHS of the top 100 plays, and they divided into uh, 10 groups. So top 10 steals in history, top 10 blocks, top 10 um, dunks. I, I can't remember like what else they had. Um, assists. Buzzer beaters. Yeah. Buzzer beaters, yeah, all that stuff. And so there was, of course, like that classic clip of Isaiah Thomas. Uh, what might have been the Celtics where he dribbled through like four dudes and then shot like a floater off the glass. A bunch of those MJ dunks on the Knicks and stuff like that. So that was that was like when stuff really started to click for me too. I think where I fell in love with the NBA was watching those guys. And <clears throat> like if you would have asked me back then – to name close to every single player in the NBA, I would have been able to do it. I would have yeah. known who that dude was on the bench for the Hornets that was averaging four points a game. I don't know why it wasn't like important information, but I would have been able to do it. I could have told you where so-and-so went to college and what they might've ever, you know, it was just weird stuff that I would remember. And that was like when I really fell in love with, with the NBA for sure was just, those VHS tapes is what started it, I think. Yeah, the VHS tapes. Um, and then I remember, I don't know if you remember, but McDonald's came out with the Dream Team Cups. Mm-hmm. And I remember, for some reason, I had it in my head that you need to be an educated basketball person, even though you were, I don't know, at the time you were probably like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I remember quizzing you, and I would show you the picture of the cup. So say it's like, I don't know, Grant Hill. And then you would have to say Grant Hill and like, give me some details about who Grant Hill was by looking at the picture and I'd show you the next cup and you'd have to like, give me the bio of every player from the dream team based on recognizing them on, on the cup. Do you remember that? Oh, I I definitely remember that. It was those big plastic cups. And then I had booklets full of Scottie Pippen cards because one of my homies at the time, Scott Fletcher, who's still my, still my homie. Um, but I was like, this is so sweet. He shares a name with Scotty Pippen. Like, so I just collected all the cards because one of my best friends' name was was Scotty. Um, yeah, just like strange stuff like that, man. I could remember a bunch of bunch of useless statistics and players. I still have a ton of basketball cards. Basketball cards were really, really popular back then. Um, I remember Scott's dad, Steve Fletcher, had a huge card collection. So whenever we went to hang out with them. Like you were always playing with Scott and I was a little too old to play with you guys. Um, but I remember whenever we go play in the basement, he would have like some of his cards and stuff out. So I already, I always remember like looking at the wall and all this cool collection that he had. And then 
during that mid nineties time sounds weird, but Hakeem Olajuwon was my favorite player. Like before Kobe was probably Hakeem Olajuwon. So I had like 150 Hakeem Olajuwon basketball cards and, um, yeah, just watching him play. Like he was so smooth, even though he was like a center, Mm -hmm. he was the smoothest, like he could dribble, he could post talk about a guy who would dominate in the way the game is played now. I mean, because he wouldn't have been relegated to, like, the high post and the low post. Mm-hmm. He'd have been doing everything. Um, obviously, like, one of the only guys to, you know, when Jordan retired, who won those titles? Right. Became the dream Elijah won. Yep, the uh, dream, so he, man. He was the man. Um, was and in, then he- there was just so the, – those were big. Three-on-three tournaments were big. Playing out in the backyard was big. Um, what – what do you remember from our upbringing and like just backyard basketball? Dude, I have so many memories and it, they get scrambled. Like, you know how, I, I'm not sure how old I was, but I'll, I'll say maybe like three main ones that would, would kind of give people an idea of how basketball crazy we were. The one is the time that you and I played one-on-one to a hundred, like straight to a hundred going by, going by ones and twos. And I didn't, I knew going into it, I was like, this is not going to be fun. That's way too long of a game. And you said, I'll give you a 50 point lead. So you baited me into it and thinking like, Hey, you might be able to beat me. And then I think I probably lost like a hundred to 60 And those 10 points were, you know, fadeaways that I had thrown over my head or something um, and gotten lucky. But I just remember at that point, cause let me be clear. There's a, there is a distinction. I love basketball. I loved it more than anybody in my grade, in my school, and I still did not love it as much as you. So when we're playing to 100, like you were going to be out there regardless, so you thought let's just play one-on-one to 100. Um, that, was, that was intense. I remember being really upset from that. Um, I also remember in the winter, anytime there was like some type of melt, where there wasn't just drifts of snow on the driveway, going out there and shoveling it off, wearing our little cotton gloves that still gave you a bit of a feel for the ball, but also your fingers were just freezing. Um, being the one of the only dudes that was grabbing a basketball for outside recess in the winter, I remember uh, filming you when you dressed up like Grandma Funkadunk. And we're doing oh, my, I forgot about that. That's yeah, right, doing, Grandma Funkadunk. Funkadunk, man. We, we need to figure out how to get that on YouTube. We need to give um, that to the people. That would be, that would be awesome. So yeah, when you dressed up like a granny and we're, we're doing like crazy dunks and stuff, I was filming you for that. So dude, it was always centered around basketball. I don't know. Yeah. I, I probably need to apologize to you because I know growing up whenever you would come outside and want to play basketball, I was trying to like, just get you off the court. Cause I was like, basketball wasn't just fun for me. Like I was like, there was something I was working on. And so when you were coming out into the, onto the court, you were getting in my way. And so I remember trying to like, always trying to get you to stop playing basketball so that I could work on, work on my game. And then sometimes when you probably bugged me enough was like, all right, well, let's play a game. Like let's play, you know, pig or horse or one-on-one to a hundred, like something um, from there. And I remember like trying to, trying to make it miserable when we played the one-on-one so you wouldn't want to play anymore. Sounds terrible. 
looking back on it now, but that was like my, my mindset because my mindset was, I'll be honest with you, extremely selfish. I was like, I didn't care about how good you were going to become at basketball. I was like, I got work to do. Like I got to get better. And if you're not in this line of helping me get better, like just get out of the way. And, um, so I, I apologize. I'm, I know I wasn't the best, best brother in that, in that area. <laughs> you're, you're forgiven, man. Trust I appreciate me. it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Feel bad. Yeah. That is a, that is an interesting aspect though of growing up because, because I was the next in line, you were shaping yourself as a player. And then by the time the other boys were up, you know, playing middle school and high school ball, they were benefiting a lot from the stuff that you'd learned overseas and in college. Uh, so I, I wish I'd been able to benefit from some of that stuff a little more. I think it would have been a lot better than, than I was even. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool to be able to see how the other boys were subjected to these drills and, and things that I don't think you even had, had known about yet when you were playing me in one-on-one and stuff. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, you maybe kind of got some of the benefit of like just seeing what I was doing, like maybe how hard I was working. But um, as you get older, you obviously get, get smarter, you learn more. And then it's not like I was going to play one-on-one against Zach or Harrison or Micah. Yeah, I was, they were just too small, but as they got older, be able to teach them some of the drills that I'd learned or come up with over the years. Yeah, definitely. um, You know, made a big difference in them because they all had game. I mean, Zach, Harrison, Micah, those are all first team, all conference players, right? I mean, it, it runs deep. And I think one thing that our family, like how basketball oriented our family was, was after church, what we do every Sunday after church, we'd go to church, we would go to uh, Grandpa Larry's house and he would make bacon and eggs. And we would talk about, the basketball games that week, every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it was funny. Like we're fast forwarding a little bit, but when Abby came into the family, I I had to like start checking myself. I was like, this is crazy. She came home with me for the weekend. So 48 hours at mom and dad's and all we talked about was basketball. It was uh, something that I was like, wow, I never realized this until I had like someone else in my life that was maybe not interested in that. And I'm sure Lindsay told you a lot of the same stuff. There were times where I would, I would get in the car and we'd be heading back home from a weekend with mom and dad at mom and dad's. And I'd be like, man, wasn't that just great? And she's like, do you know all you talked about was basketball the entire weekend. And I started to actually feel pretty bad about that. That's so funny. That's so funny, but it's so true. And grandpa Larry is a hard customer. Mm -hmm. So, when you talk basketball with him, he wasn't like grandma Vicky or mom who's like, Hey, what, however you did like, good job. You know, you were great. Blah, blah, blah. Grandpa Larry was like, didn't play that well, huh? Mm-hmm. Boy, he missed some of those free throws, huh? Or so-and-so from the other team, boy, they, they really did this. Or, you know, you guys struggled when this happened, you know, they were giving it to you, which, which uh, I liked because he, he knows the game. Dad knows the game. And so being able to basically, I, I said and made a video earlier of like how they became like the game film, 
like you know how now you you watch game film after every game, you study it, all that stuff. The game film back then was talking to my dad and my grandpa after the games, them breaking it down through their eyes, me regurgitating kind of what I saw through my eyes, and then trying to piece together what I can to make sure I do better the next time. It was it was priceless information, really. Once you get past the frustration sometimes of, you know, somebody telling you something you don't necessarily want to hear. Yep. It was, I mean, if you think about that, so mom and dad and then grandma, grandpa, you know, all of our sets of grandparents, they were subjected to, and they, they enjoyed it, but like 20 years of basketball, like watching grandkids play basketball. And um, for them to, to do that and approach, you know, each, each grandkid or each child with the same level of appreciation and dad just always having those conversations and breaking down the games, like you said, is, is pretty, pretty amazing. So hopefully dad's holding up this year. This is his first year without a high school basketball player in the house in like 20 years. Yeah, hope, hopefully, um, you know, thankfully Mike is playing college basketball so he can still at least get over and see him play him play a little bit. but. The interesting thing is out of, so for all of our, us that went through, I think that was, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it 12 seasons of varsity basketball at USA schools? Oh, I mean, I I played for three. You played for two. Zach played for two. Harrison played for three. Yep. Micah played for three, but they were teammates one of those years, right? right? Yeah. So I think that adds up to 12, to 12 years. Yeah. I don't have all the stats, but that's 12 years of a Kramer brother being on the varsity basketball team at USA, 10 district championship. Yeah. Those are, uh, and it, those are pretty good, uh, pretty good odds. Yeah. That's fun. almost every, almost a hundred percent. That's, that's pretty crazy. I do remember, I mean, we're talking district titles here. So how important this is to people? I don't know. It's important to me. It was at the time. Um, I remember being so conditioned watching you win district championships, the people ahead of me that, you know, the Bitzers and people like that. It was just like winning a district was actually seemed like a given and it sounds bad, but I mean, I was two for two. And I, it just seemed like it was a given. It was like, actually, the regionals were more of a concern, which I never got out of a regional. It's just that's when the level ups quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, it was a given to me. I think that's a part of not only our family and how important basketball was, but also being at the, the USA culture with, like, Coach Gainforth, Coach Bone, and some of the other players that have been kind of intermingled between like before I was playing in between you and I were playing, which they had, you know, like Steve Cook, Justin Johnson, Jordan Bitzer, that whole crew, Lance Travis, who was like super amazing at basketball, but he's even better at football Mm -hmm. um, playing. So there were some really good teams. And so you're right. It just became part of the culture that like you're supposed to win. Like that's just what you, what you do if you're playing basketball for USA. And, um, I think we're getting maybe more into the mindset aspect of it, but I think that that's an important part of being successful in what you do is like, you believe you have the expectation for yourself that you're supposed to do something. Right. And maybe other people say like, Oh, that'd be cool if you accomplish that. 
But for us, it was like, no, that's like the bar. That's the expectation of where we are as a team or as an individual or as a program. And I think once you hire that bar, like, you know, you got no choice sometimes but to go up and meet it. Yeah, definitely. It seemed very, and I, I don't know what it's like now exactly. Like Micah just finished up playing last year, but I always felt like it was a very business-like, very workman-like attitude when we, when we played ball because we just, there was this cumulative like competitiveness among everybody where whether it was summer league and, and most teams are out there just kind of having fun, or maybe it was even hard to drag some guys out of their bed to make it to a, to a summer league game. Like we wanted to win and we didn't always win, but I just remember always like winning was priority number one. And I still have a very hard time like shaking off that, that approach, whether it's basketball or any other sport. I, I don't, always verbalize it but there's a lot of times where if I'm losing at something I'm just like fuming inside and I never I never understand people that aren't competitive I like I don't I don't dislike you but I just can't I just don't understand it like if if you're doing something where you're keeping score why not try to win I can't emphasize how big a part of that is for not only our like USA basketball group but for our family in particular you know, for example, like our grandma Vicky is one of the most competitive people I've ever met. Not one of my college coaches, not like my grandma in her late seventies right now is still one of the most competitive people <laughs> I know. And she gets pissed if she loses a board game at Settlers of Catan. And mm-hmm. she, she might, she might even say a mean word or two at you if, if you end up taking the final piece and winning the game and she had nine and she needed 10 to win, she's going to be mad. Right. And that like, when we go home, it's competition the whole time. When we went home for Christmas break, we we're playing games. Like you're either playing ping pong downstairs. You're going to the weight room with the brothers to lift and see who can lift more weights. We're going to the gym and we're playing basketball. And then you come back at night and you're playing board games, trying to see who's going to win. The entire day, basically since you woke up, is competition or you're like hanging out, eating, or you're watching competition on TV. Like that's basically our, our life in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, that's funny. I mean, just so just as uh, integral as basketball is in our lives, it's like competition. It wasn't just because it was fun. Like the winning was what was fun. So, yeah, like the game of basketball is great. Even if we weren't keeping score, we're probably still out there shooting hoops and stuff. But the winning is what what uh, made me enjoy it so much. And yeah, it is. It's like competition from dusk till dawn whenever we're home. And it's a lot of stupid, stupid stuff. I mean, you say eating, but I also remember having friends over as a kid and you like challenging them to eating competitions. So it's not. Yeah, a, yeah we had eating competitions. Tacos yeah. and pancakes, man. Yep. It's weird. Yep. I think we're a little um, different. I didn't realize how different we were. For example, this is a, another competition story. My in-laws brought some, some, um, so my in-laws came in on my wife's side of the family and this, this guy, okay. He says, I'm really big into ping pong. He's the varsity football coach is down in like the Cleveland, Ohio area. Right. And so he says ping pong. Well, I've grown up playing ping pong as 
as you have. So my ears perk up. And he's talking about how he won the ping pong tournament against all the students this past year. And so I'm like, okay, I got to see what this guy's got. Like, he's got to be good, right? Big school in Cleveland. He's one, he's talking about how awesome he is at ping pong. So we set up the ping pong table in the shed. And so my, my wife's uh, dad is a farmer and they got a ping pong table. So we put the ping pong table, like the tractors out of there. We set the ping pong table up and we're playing. He's talking mad smack. All right. And so I, I was like, I'm not just going to beat this guy. I want him to be like, I want to take his heart out. Like that was my whole thing. Like I, just because you can be really good at something, but if you're like talking so much about how awesome you are, that's, that's frustrating because you know me, like as a player, I was like pretty quiet. Like I'm just going to play my game, do my thing. I'm not like picking fights and talking trash to people. So he was doing that. And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to play. And so the awesome thing was, was not only did I destroy him at ping pong, but what made me even happier was my wife destroyed him at ping pong. All right, <laughs> Lindsay. Lindsay got out there and she started just playing ping pong in high school when we started dating. And so she's playing this guy from the other side of the family who's talking about how sweet he is. And she obliterated him in, in ping pong. And it just gave me like this extra love in my heart for, for my wife. Cause she was like more competitive and better at ping pong. And she is just like crush, crush this dude. It was, it was amazing. And then if you go to our house in the summer, we're having like swimming competitions. We're playing uh, pickleball. We're playing spike ball. I remember times where this is not normal, where we're looking at each other and say, all right, how can we have a race? We're going to run two laps around our grandparents pond and then we're going to swim out to the dock and then we're going to come back and first person to do that wins. All right. Yeah. Which was not a good idea to do the swimming second because you're <laughs> gassed and you might drown Yeah, to do the swimming first and then run after that. But that's normal competition within our family. I'm finding out just through this episode. Yeah. How strange we actually, we actually are. It's, and we play croquet all summer too. Yep. There's, yeah, we, it's not just limited to competition in basketball. That's for sure. Um, I actually have, speaking of ping pong, um, I have a, I'm not even going to call him a nemesis up here. He's one of my good friends. He is so much better than me at ping pong. Granted, I've only played him at his home, his home uh, table, but it, it chews me up. It, it bothers me so bad. He had a party and we went over there and him and I were playing and he just beat me really handily and I was probably the second best player there but that doesn't mean anything and the whole ride home Abby can attest to it that's all I could talk about it was just like I felt like I was no longer valid because I wasn't the best one at the at the party it's weird I'm weird you're weird it's uh it's fascinating though they feel yeah, I wish better. I wish you guys could see how upset you got when you didn't win any games at pickleball this summer and then you and Abby had to leave early to go up north while the rest of us got to still play. And you were extremely, extremely upset yep. that every team you got put on lost for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> well, it sounds like I'm the common variable. Well, you know, it's just there are some other really good players, players too playing pickleball. If any of you guys are listening and are especially local to the thumb, we would love to play against you. 
right? So whoever is listening, if you participate in any of the sports that we've just talked about, hit us up. You can come over. We'll play in pickleball, spike ball, basketball, a swimming competition, kayaking competition, Mm -hmm. whatever, like croquet. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to, I want to just ask, you said you didn't talk a whole lot of trash as a player. I, I wonder if that's, I mean, is that related to the fact that most courts that you stepped on, it was already clear that you were the best player on the court? Because I didn't have that. That didn't happen as often for me. I usually had to prove throughout the game that I was one of the best ones. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't a given when I stepped on the court, like, okay, Taylor's the best player. They knew I was probably the best shooter, but they didn't know I was the best player. So if I made more than one shot in a row, my mouth started to run. (laughs) <laughs> and I would say quite a few things. You so, were a talker. Yeah. You and uh, Micah are kind of similar. And then Zach started talking quite a bit his senior year. Like yeah. Zach never spoke to anybody. And then all of a sudden his senior year, he like he would hit a shot and be like, he wasn't like talking trash at somebody else necessarily, but he was, he was talking. Um, I found out though over the years, like that's not the case for me. Like every level that I went, I wasn't really talking trash. I talked trash a little bit here and there, but it wasn't really a, a part of my game. Like uh, <clears throat> I made like down here in South Carolina, I made it kind of a goal to myself to like sneak into an open gym kind of late and then just start playing and then leave before it's over and like not tell anybody about myself or who I am. Just like just like who not tell them like I played college basketball. I played professional basketball, just like sneak in, leave, leave before I got to tuck the kids in for bed anyway and, and leave the gym. And they're just like, well, who was that dude? Like he didn't say nothing and like makes every shot. Like that's like my mission when I'm down here is to like, not like just, just play whenever I go to, whenever I go to an open gym. Um, My favorite trash talk moment though, was when I spoke, German uh we were playing and I hit a three in this game and it was a big shot it was a big shot we actually ended up losing the game our other guy missed some free throws we lost by one but um I hit a big shot I hit a three the other team had to call timeouts a couple you know I don't know a minute left maybe in the fourth quarter and I said in die fresse just some of the only German that I know but it was just in your face because I hit the three in his face. That was like, that was probably like the only smack I've talked in like my four years of playing basketball overseas. Like that was the only thing I ever said probably. Wow, man. Yeah, I would have, uh, I would have beaten that out in the first three minutes. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I, it's funny being an adult now and coming across some of the people that you competed against in high school, because I remember maybe probably for most athletes, but you become a different person when you're competing a lot of times. And I would enter these zones where I just, I truly like did, I hated whoever I was playing against. And it's funny being an adult and seeing, you know, compared to other life's hardships and, and everything else, how inconsequential that mid season game was my junior year and the uh, incredibly rude things that I may have said to my defender and seeing them as adults now and being like, uh, yeah, hope they don't remember that. Um, 
it's funny though, man. That was kind of how I, how I geeked myself up. The one, uh, maybe my favorite memory where I don't even think I talked any trash, but our assistant coach did. This was a summer league game. We were playing this team. They were a class A school and they'd won the summer league like the last three years. And that was their claim to fame. Like they were truly proud of that. They never won any real high school games, but they would always win the league or the summer league. And we were working them over. Like we dropped over a hundred on them. (laughs) And I came down. I like on the, on the left wing, if I'm shooting a three, a lot of times I'll uh, shoot it off the backboard. I just started doing it in early high school and it felt right. And so I would consistently do it. I remember I hit the first one and I'm running down the court and the other team is just saying a bunch of stuff about how it was lucky. And then our next possession, uh, our assistant coach bone, he calls it out. He's like, Taylor, do it again. And I just pulled it (laughs) from the left wing off the glass, went in and it was just so sweet because I didn't have to say anything, but just bank two threes in a row. And it's like, you know, proving to them that that's actually how I shoot on the left yeah. wing. Yeah, you did. You did. Now you're very, very humble uh, about your your basketball playing. But I want the listeners to know, like, if I were to list some of the best shooters to come out of USA, you're in that list. Like, you are absolutely in that list. I mean, multiple, multiple, like five plus three pointers made per game. You were that that guy, especially playing with like bits. Scott Fletcher was a nice player. You had some inside guys, Holland, like you guys had some nice, some really like well-rounded basketball teams while you were playing. Um, but you were that dude that like, you don't, you don't leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think we did have some really well-rounded teams. And so our statistics across the board were spread out really evenly. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of, I tried to specialize in those like backbreaking plays. So if I could hit three, four threes a game, but if they came at those really important times, you know, maybe we just went on a six point run and I just turned it into a nine point run or a 12 point run. Um, and then start jabbering away a little bit. Like those were, those were the times where you could see kind of in the, in the other team's eyes, like, all right, we were within striking distance. And then after two possessions, like he pulled it and this game is probably over. That was, I'd like to think it, not just my, that I was a good consistent shooter, but I also think I hit them at the opportune times too. Yeah, I think I definitely would put you down as a, as a clutch player. You seemed like you had, had, uh, you had a flair for the moment when you were playing basketball. Like you had a good sense of the moment. Some players have that where they just have a feeling of like, now is the time for me to, make some type of of play that will kind of change or open the floodgates. And you had, you had some of that in your game. Mm -hmm. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, Yeah. yeah. What else? Well, let me speak to a shooter real quick. If there's any like high school players listening, I think you can earn the right to have have this type of attitude towards shooting, which is through repetition and developing confidence. But we had another player on our team in high school who was a very good shooter. If it was practice, he was a knockdown shooter. I would say he was probably the second best shooter on the team after me. But in game, he did not have the confidence. He wasn't even a poor shooter in games. He just wouldn't, wouldn't pull the open shot. And I remember uh, Ganey saying to him one practice, like, 
what are you worried about, man? Like, do you think Taylor ever worries about missing a shot? And the truth was I didn't, I never cared because I felt like every single miss was just one shot closer to the next make. And I, I think that that only comes through repetition and you can develop, you can develop that confidence and the right to feel that way. But seriously, if you can cross that threshold and it's no longer like, dang, I missed. And instead it's like, all right, next one's going in. Then that's where you can really call yourself a shooter. I think. Right. I think that there's a, there's different levels to that, but especially those guys like you're talking about that are elite, elite shooters and that can just catch fire and, and go nuts. Those are the players that have that mindset more often than not. It's just like, it's just going in. And mm-hmm. if it's a miss, it's like, oh, well, no big deal. But the next shot, that one's going in. And it's just always like that. And that's how you become a good shooter in the sense like you are where you can get hot and hit two or three threes in two or three minutes because you got that mindset playing in the back of your head of I'm going to make this shot. I'm going to make the next shot. It's not about however many shots you missed, anything like that. That's a huge piece to, to being a great shooter, obviously to go along with, you know, your mechanics, your Mm -hmm. repetition, everything, everything like that. Um, Man, that's such good stuff. We could go, we could keep going on. What else do you want to hit up on? The other thing I want to encourage players to, especially if you're in middle school or high school, is being willing to put in the work and, and improve. That is something that you definitely need to embrace. I saw it play out in my own high school career where throughout middle school, even early high school, I was never really one of the better players. And I had to just trust the process and, and understand that I was going to be in the gym more than everybody else. And yeah, it was going to be a lot skinnier. I wasn't going to be as strong. I wasn't going to be as fast, but eventually through the repetition and the work that I put in, the coach couldn't keep me off the floor anymore. And so if you're, if you're a seventh grader and you're not a starter and it's really stressing you out, don't worry about it but you do need to make sure that you're, you're getting the repetitions in and, and getting the practice. And I will bet you, if you keep that up, that you're going to see that stuff come to fruition, you know, by the end of your high school career, at least. That's a great, a great point to have in mind. In fact, you know, I have a, another example of that was when I was playing basketball overseas and um, you got to begin sometimes doing something with the long term in mind. Like when you were developing your games, a junior high player, you didn't see some of the benefits of that until you were a junior and a senior in high school, but you were working on it five years before that. Um, my last year playing in Europe, we cut two guys from our team. We fired two guys from our team. One played uh, for North Carolina State in the ACC. He was, uh, he was a first team all ACC defender one year. Like he was guarding like JJ Redick. Like that, that's like how good this guy was. Um, and then we had another guy who played for St. Joseph's in college. And he was like 15, five and five at the division one level. And if I were to play against those guys when they were in high school and I was in high school, I got no doubt that they were better players than I was. If I would have played against them when we were both in college, they're better players than I was. But it was that consistent development over time that at some point we were on the same team and they ended up getting fired because they weren't good enough to, 
cut it on our team. And the guy who wasn't as good as they were in high school, the guy who wasn't as good as they were when we were would have all been in college, I was MVP of the team. And I, I by no means say that to, to brag. I say that because it can be done if you're willing to put in consistent enough work for a really long time. Sooner or later, those results come back to you. Do we have like a lasting lesson we want to leave people with? I other than that we're kind of psychotic and like to compete? Um, man, there's just, there's so many ways to go with it. But I think that as a, as a basketball player, or if you're trying to be good at something, you want to have the want to play. So as a player, I need to enjoy playing the game. I also need to enjoy practicing the game. And I also need to enjoy competing in the game. And if I enjoy playing, practicing, in the competition aspect, now I give myself a chance to be really, really good at something, whether it's basketball or anything else. But what I found with most players is that they don't embody all three characteristics. Mm. Like we had uh, a teammate in high school, Brad Green was his name. You probably remember Brad Green. Brad Green was super competitive. Like whatever you were playing – he was going to give it 100%. He was going to try to win. He also liked playing basketball. Like if you're playing ball, cool, like let's play. That's fun, right? But he didn't love basketball to the point of like practicing a lot on his own. So he was like pretty much just going to play basketball in season. So he checked like two of those boxes. There's other players that they like to play basketball and they like to put in the work. They like, you know, training, so to speak. I'm working on my game. I'm getting shots up. I'm doing different things. Oh, now it's competition. There's going to be a winner and a loser. Oh, I'm afraid of that because I don't want to fail. Or like you're talking about, I'm afraid to, to miss the shot. Well, you're never going to be as good as you can be if you only check those two boxes. you got to want to compete. you got to want to say, I'm playing this game and it's win or lose, but I'm all in with whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the same thing is I'm not one of those people that thinks like, oh, society is soft now. And that kind of thinking doesn't really cross my mind, but I would encourage people, whether you're still in the middle of competition. So if you're a middle school basketball player, high school basketball player, college basketball player, enjoy those moments of competition because you're not going to get them in the same way later. And that's why you hear all these old heads talking, you know, at the coffee shop or at the bar about the you know game that they played 20 years ago. It's because they missed that competition. So enjoy it while you have it, but also seek out competition. It's okay to want to win that board game. Like somebody's got to win. It might as well be you. Um, so yeah, just the competition I think is so, so healthy. And um, I've just, I've enjoyed it being a major, major part of our lives is the competition and then basketball specifically. And it's a blast, man. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Absolutely love it. Basketball competition, getting after it. Um, you know, we got a, a, a lot going on, but with our, our listeners, I want you guys to be sure to share, you know, with us what topics you want to talk about. This was a little bit more of a personal uh, conversation between Taylor and I, just kind of some, some memories that we had. Um, but if you guys have any questions or comments as far as any topics that you want to cover, please let us know because that's what we're going to dig, dig back into. Um, in fact, our next two episodes, we're going to hit on some of the topics of the NBA as well as high school basketball. 
high school basketball, the the grassroots, baby, the grassroots. And talking about what uh, some of our team's players and coaches can kind of look for and, and, and some of the experiences that we've had from playing. Right on. Well, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will be back very soon with another edition. As always, you can see what we have going on with social media, and you can find those links in the show notes. Until next time.